Hey everyone, my name is Christopher Price and welcome back to another episode of Brass Bonanza, a Whalers podcast that's dedicated to keeping the memory of our favorite hockey team alive. This week's guest is Dave Diebold. Dave is a guy who may not come to mind instantly when you say the words Hartford Whalers, but he was a part of the franchise during a transformative stretch from 1979 to 1981 when they were moving from the WHA to the NHL and was a teammate of several key members of the roster, including Gordy and Mark Howe, as well as Dave Keon and others. The center, who scored a career-high 14 goals during the 1980-81 season, has some fun stories about playing in Hartford and his connections with the Howe family. But first, I have to let you guys know that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Football may be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, let's get things started with Dave Deball. Hey, Dave, thanks again for joining us today. Want to get right into it. You were drafted by the Whalers, and then you were dealt to Winnipeg. What was your initial contact with the Whalers like? Well, you know, like my, my first year, you know, I, I signed with Cincinnati, you know, and it was the last year at a WHA and then got picked up from, uh, from there. I got picked up by Hartford and I believe the first year I was there, um, you know, started in Springfield and, uh, I think about halfway through the year I got called up, you know, which wasn't bad at the time. Cause we were playing at, uh, I'm trying to think of a name. Was it the exhibition center? In Springfield, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and Hartford was playing in Springfield there at the Civic, or because the the roof had caved in, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't ready yet that first year, so so it was a it was a little bit different experience there, but uh, you know, things worked out well. Got called up at Christmas time and was happy to be there. Your first goal was scored, if I remember correctly, your first goal was scored on your first shift, right? Correct. Yeah. Tell me yeah. what that experience was like. That must have been something wild for, you know, for a kid who literally, you know, is just called up to the NHL and then scores on the first shift. Yeah, well, you know, you don't really think about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think back and I mean, the reason the reason I remember that is that my wife at the time, she made me a little plaque and had the, the goal, the puck there, you know, and it was a first goal, you know, first shift. And I'm like, it was my first shift. <laughs> but at the time, you're not really thinking about that. You know, you don't realize, oh, was it my first shift, first shot ever on net or whatever, you know, but I guess that's the way it was. You were there in the last year of the WHA, and it seems like everyone has a wild WHA story from, you know, getting paid with, you know, bounce checks or crazy teammates or whatever the case may be. Do you have any of those memories from your time in the WHA? Oh, yeah, it was, uh, I had just finished the, at the university of michigan here my senior year and two weeks later i turned pro so i went down there for the last uh oh 10 games i guess might have been of the uh, 78 season and i remember going down there and meeting guys um robbie Petorek, rick dudley you know um, i knew a couple guys craig norwich who played at wisconsin mike Liute. you know I, I knew some guys 
but we get out there. And I remember my very first game, I was out there and I'm, I'm trying to remember. Hopefully I get it right. <laughs> my, my right winger was this guy named Willie Trognitz, mm-hmm. who later on I found out he was banned from the IHL. which is not a good thing and another guy bruce greg big left winger you know and i remember one of my first games i I came up and coming up the middle and i give it to him and boom whistle offside he looks at me he goes what are you doing i said what do you mean what am i doing i'm giving you the puck he goes no 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 you get the puck and do whatever you want okay anybody comes to touch you i'll beat the crap out of them (laughs) and i'm like oh okay welcome to pro hockey <laughs> you know and I, I think the next game we played i believe we were in it was with against the houston astros or arrows and um we shot the puck down and the goalie came out to get it and i was racing and i, I could tell he was going to get it before me so i stopped and he looked at me and says oh you must be a rookie you didn't run me and i turn around and here comes this, this big defenseman from their team and he's dropping his gloves he's going to beat the crap out of me you know, and just before he gets me, Bruce Gray grabs him. And I'm like, oh, God, I kind of like this. You know, so I took the boys out to dinner quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were there when things changed over from the WHA to the NHL. And a lot of guys talk about how things changed off the ice as well. What are some things that people might not necessarily know about who you know, who may be hockey fans who understand the difference between the World Hockey Association and the National Hockey League? How did things change for players when you guys made the jump from the WHA to the NHL? Uh, I mean, to me, it wasn't that much of a jump. You know, I remember at the time I had some buddies, um, a guy, Dave Shan, that played for Atlanta, you know, and he's, you know, uh, I think at the time Gretzky was playing with Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, you know, you're playing in the minors. Wait wait till Gretzky gets to the NHL. We'll see what he can do. I said, yeah, we'll see, (laughs) you know, and, you know, it was everybody thought the WHA was a, a big step down, you know, and I don't think it was. I mean, because you had a lot of players that went to the WHA. There was some good hockey, some very good hockey, you know. And I just think when, when you kind of, you make the jump from the WHA to the NHL, then it's kind of like it hits you, you know, because I mean, the NHL is the top of the pyramid, you know, I mean, you know, when I remember when I signed my contract, I'm like, oh, I finally made it to the NHL, you know, nothing was wrong with the WHA. It was dang good hockey, you know, and it's been Cincinnati. We were treated well, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had a good, we had a good franchise there, good owner and everything. Never had to worry about paychecks or anything. I know some teams struggled, you know, but, you know, I think that's just the way it was. Were there guys in the Hartford locker room who seemed bound to determine when you guys made the move from the WHA to the NHL that they had that sticking in their craw a little bit where, where people believed that they may not be NHL worthy, that they wanted to make that jump and they wanted to prove to people that they were something special. They were worthy of, of playing in the National Hockey League. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, like the first year in, um, in Hartford, you saw where they, you know, we had guys like, uh, you know, I mean, Gordy was still there, you know, Davey Keon, you know, and they, they, you know, we had say in, in an older team with some really good veterans, you know, and then they had the, the young kids coming up so we could learn from them, you know, and I think the biggest thing I remember in Hartford the first year was that we, you know, we made the playoffs and uh, you know, that was our goal you know, to prove to people that, Hey, you know, we got a, we got a dang good hockey team. And I, and I believe back then, 
it was the top 16 teams made the playoffs. So one played 16, two played 15, you know, and we played Montreal and it was the best two out of three, you know? And I remember going to Montreal. Yeah, they, they waxed us. And then we came back to Hartford and I think we lost in overtime, you know, but it was, it was a great accomplishment. I mean, you know, Montreal should be this, you know, there's no question, but you know, we, we proved that, you know, Hey, you know, we're here and, you know, we're going to start building this team and, you know, become a top contender one day. Getting to get back to our conversation with Dave Debole in a second, but first I want to ask you guys a question. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you'd never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Now back to our conversation with Dave Diebel. Glad you bring up the name Gordy Howe, and I've, I've talked a lot with guys about Gordy, as well as Dave Keon. And one of the things that continually comes up was that you think of Gordy Howe as Mr. Hockey, and you think of him as this legendary figure. At the same time, to a lot of you guys, he was a great teammate. What oh, what, what made him such a good teammate? What made him the kind of guy that you know what you have a lot of respect for him, but at the same time, he's the kind of guy you want on your side. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I remember in well, when I was playing in Cincinnati and I think we were playing um, the arrows and everybody was saying, um, you know, watch out for Gordy. What do you mean? Watch out for Gordy. He's going to get you. Why? I didn't do anything to him, you know, <laughs> and sure as heck, I think it was like third period. I fell down in their zone. I was back checking and he came off the boards and just, or, you know, off the bench and boom, come up and just gave me, um, gave me the Gordy Howe elbow just enough, you know, to make my eyes water, you know, just a little pop, you know, hey, welcome to the league rookie, you know, and that's the way he was, you know, and now I'm playing with him in Hartford, you know, and it was interesting because I mean, the three years that I played there, his son, Mark was my roommate on the road. 
And, you know, he would tell me stories about his dad and, you know, and all this. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it was it was just interesting watching him, you know, because he was a legend. And, you know, a couple of things that's really st stuck out to me was, you know, after a game, we're in Edmonton or wherever, we would go out to get something to eat. You know, Gordy would have a beer. Okay, then he'd get his meal, he'd have a water, and then he'd have one more beer. And then he'd go up to his room. And I'm like, wow, you know. And that, I was never a big beer drinker or anything, but, you know, some guys would like to have a couple beers after a game if we didn't play the next day, you know, or whatever. And mm -hmm. you never saw Gordy do that. You know, he always watched himself out in public, you know. And he always told me, he says, kid, he goes, you know, maybe one day you'll be like me. He says, but here's the key. Here's the key to everything. He says, you got to sign autographs. After a game, you're going to sign some autographs. And I had told him one time, I said, I remember in Cincinnati, after my first game, they're all coming up to me and my parents are looking at me and I just felt weird. You know, like, what do they want my autograph for? You know? <laughs> and he says, he goes with me. He says, like, if I'm in an airport, I get recognized. He goes, never stop. Always keep walking. Because once you stop and they get, get you surrounded, you're in trouble. He goes, but, you know, you can only <laughs> sign so many. And you just, sometimes you just say, sorry, you know, I have to get on my flight now. You're very polite. But he says, take the time to sign everyone that you can for these little kids. He goes, because those are the people that are paying your salary. And I've never forgotten that. You were with him during a, a major, major event in his life when the Whalers went back to Detroit for that first game. Now, you being a Michigan guy, I remember talking to you before about your perspective on this game, your tongue-in-cheek perspective on this game. But but tell me a, a little bit about what that was like for you to be able to be in that building when Gordie Howe returned to Detroit that night when the Whalers faced the Red Wings. Well, I think the, thing, the, the greatest thing was that I grew up in St. Clair Shores, the east side of Detroit, so that was my first time, you know, in pros, you know, playing in Detroit. And I always told my mom and dad, my relatives, if I ever got lucky enough to make it, you know, I'll buy, I'll buy everybody tickets. Well, my mom's got seven sisters and two brothers. So you figure out the size of the family, you know? And I think at that time I spent, I think it cost me around 700, $800 for the tickets. Now the tickets back then were, you know, 15 bucks, you know, but that was a lot of tickets, you know? And so we come back and we get to the game and everything. And all of a sudden we're, you know, we're in the locker room and, and, and Gordy's usually just, you know, he's usually sitting there with his reading glasses on reading the newspaper, you know, having a cup of coffee and just laid back and he's pacing, you know, and I'm watching him and I'm like, well, that's his first time back in Detroit, you know, since playing there. And I'm like, oh, wow. So we go out for warmups at the Joe Lewis. All right. And what it seats 19,000 people. There had to be, they probably packed 20, 21,000 in there. You know, so I go right out right behind him he steps on the ice and a standing ovation mm -hmm. at the place i thought the place was going to crumble you know it was so loud i mean the whole warm-ups were out there you know and you, you i mean i'm standing in the line i couldn't even talk to a guy three three feet away from me. you couldn't hear him that's how loud it was in the building you know and gordy's just going around you know waving his stick you know and they wouldn't stop so you know we come into the locker room and i can tell he's so nervous you know so I come up to him. I said, hey, Power, what are you nervous about? He goes, well, you know, I said, hey, I said, I don't know about you. I said, but this is my first time, you know, playing in Detroit. You know, I grew up here, you know, and all that. And I said, I couldn't believe it. I said, as soon as I stepped on the ice, they gave me a standing ovation. 
I said, it was unbelievable, right? I said, I just couldn't believe it. I, I look up, I see my mom and dad, my you know aunts and uncles and cousins. And I said, I don't know if it had anything to do with you being in front of me. <laughs> and he started laughing, right? He said, Thanks, kid. I said, power, relax, you're going to do fine. And sure as heck, he's out there and he's having a hell of a game. He's having a game of his life. Me, on the other hand, I can't even skate five feet with the puck. I'd make a pass to Gordy. I'm putting it five feet behind him. And it's like one of those days they always say that the harder you try, the worse you do, you know? And he comes to me in the third period and sits next to me. And what's the matter, kid? I go, man, I'm screwing up out there. He goes, oh, yeah, take a look at the coach. And I look and the coach is laughing. He's probably going to double shift you, you know? I said, no. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, it happens to everybody. You know, if you're from Detroit the first time, you're going to play like crap, you know? And he goes, just get. Let, let it go. He goes, just let it go. The harder you try, the worse you do. Next time you come in, he goes, you'll probably score a hat trick. Next time we played Detroit, I had one hat trick. And that's, <laughs> and that's what it was, you know, but it was funny. He says, everybody goes through it. If you're from Toronto, first time you play at Maple Leaf Garden, you're going to play so crappy, you know, because you're just trying so hard. He goes, just let it go. So that, that's one of the best stories I always told about Gordy. Why'd you guys call him power? He was just so powerful, you know, he was just, that was his nickname power, you know. It's remarkable to think too, even at that age. And I remember talking with Mark Howe about this, that you you take a look at your average 50 something, you know, individual, and there's, there's no reason for that guy to be playing in the national hockey league because, you know, he still clearly can't get it done. But that year he was a tremendous force for you guys. You know, he, he, he wasn't just a sideshow. He wasn't just a gate attraction. He was a guy who legitimately contributed to the success of the team. Yep. Well, and that's the way, you know, it was like, like the last year at the WHA, I remember playing against him and I'm thinking, okay, you know, no one wants to hit him. No one's going to touch him because they don't, you know, if they hurt him, they don't want to be the guy that knocked Gordy Howe out of hockey or whatever, you know, that's what I thought. But I'll tell you what, playing against him and then playing with him on your team, he, you know, he was a mean son of a gun, you know, he's one of the meanest <laughs> I've ever seen in my life, but he still had the ability, right? And he had the smarts, you know, maybe not as fast a skater as he was back in the day, but I mean, he still had it in his heart, you know, and it was amazing watching him out there. I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, cause I remember, you know, when I turned like 52, I'm thinking, Man, there's no way I could play. <laughs> you know, how the heck did he do it? You guys, that first year in the National Hockey League, you guys were coached by Don Blackburn. What was that like? You know, Don was a, he was a good coach. You know, he was a good coach. Uh, you know, we had, we, had a, we had a lot of fun. You know, I mean, the first year where it was funny because I'd, I'd be sitting there uh, in the locker room and, you know, I kind of sat right next to Gordy in the locker room. And, you know, we after the first couple of games, after the first period, he'd come in and he'd be just bitching at everybody, you know, going down, you know, you know, you know, Mike Rogers, you know, and, you know, get your, get your figure skates off today. You look like, you know, this and that, you know, and, and just going down, coming up, you know, Jordy Douglas, man, you suck out there tonight. Debo, I don't know what you're doing. And he'd look at Gordy and he'd go right by Gordy, you know, (laughs) he'd kind of start bitching at some of the guys (laughs) and Gordy would look at me and go, "Eh, never listen to the coach, you know, (laughs) and because he had his reading glasses on reading the newspaper, you know, (laughs) you know, and it it was, it was funny. I mean, you know, we had some games that year where, you know, you kind of got blown out, 
you know, because we were we were a, a brand new team. But uh, you know, as as it went on, you know, I, I think everything got uh, you know with the leadership of you know Gordy and uh, uh, Davey Keon and even uh, Johnny Garrett, you know, Ricky Lee and all those those say older guys, mm-hmm. you know. You know, they helped us get through it. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, Don was, he was, he was a great coach, you know. Keon's a guy who I, I think doesn't get enough respect, acknowledgement, maybe when you talk about the history of the Whalers, because everyone, you know, the first guy you speak of is is quite frequently Gordy Howe and his impact on the team and the, you know, the, the way things, you know, the way you guys went about your business, you know, those first couple of years in the, the National Hockey League. Tell me about playing with Keon. I know he was a bit of a, he could be a bit of a, uh, let's just say a salty guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I would watch him when he got on the ice and practice, you know, and, and it was just amazing, you know, cause he, he was getting up there in age too, you know, and I'm thinking, my gosh, how many years did he play for Toronto and this and that. And, and I remember when I, when I first got there, Mark Howe told me, you know, he goes, look at, you know, when you're here, he goes, I mean, if, if you want to screw up, screw around in practice and not work hard, you can, you know, the coach isn't going to say anything to you, mm-hmm. but if you don't produce in the games, if you're not in shape, you're going to be down in the minors. So there's a lot of self-discipline. Right. And I used to, I used to watch that with, uh, you know, with, with David Keon, you know, cause he'd be out there in the skating drills at the end. It's like, man, so this guy's, he can go pretty good for an old guy, you know? And, and that's what I learned about him. You know, he, he always, um, you know, off the ice, whatever he did, whatever people did, that was their own business. But man, when he got on the ice, you know, I, I really don't remember knowing anybody that worked as hard as he did. One more guy who was uh, <coughs> maybe part of hockey's Holy Trinity at that time anyway, was Bobby Hall joined you guys for the, the, the final, I guess this, pretty much the last half of that, that season. Um, tell me about what it was like getting a chance to play with him and, you know, what, if anything, you were able to learn from him in, in his relatively short time in Hartford. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, what, what I remember when he first came to us, cause I was injured at the time and they were on a road trip or whatever. So we, we had the ice at our practice rink and he had just gotten there and, you know, he was doing his, you know, spiel out there, whatever to get his, you know, butt in shape and, you know, watching him. And then, uh, you know, I only remember him being there. Now I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe a month, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he wasn't there that long. And I, I do believe that, uh, cause I, I remember at practice, we were out there and then all of a sudden the coach called him over and, uh, he, he left the ice and we never saw him again. I believe his, it must've been his girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. She was out with a realtor and, and I believe somebody blew a red light or a stop sign and it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, and that was the last we saw of him, you know, but I, I know one, one little story about him. Cause I remember we were, uh, gosh, we were playing in Hartford and, uh, I had just gotten the puck, got it over center ice and I just dumped it in. We were playing Vancouver and all of a sudden I get a cross check right in the back of the neck, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, and I just turned and kind of, you know, speared the guy a little bit and I look and it's Tiger Williams. And I go, oh, geez, here we go. Why did I do that? You know, <laughs> and he starts and he starts coming at me. You know, Bobby steps in and just grabs him and says, hey, leave the kid alone. You know, he goes, you started it. You know, I, oh, thanks, Bobby. He's ah, you know, those guys, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, I think at the end of the next week, we were playing in Vancouver. And I remember the first shift, it's an icing call back in our zone and it's a televised game. So we're sitting there waiting Tiger stands there and looks at me and he goes, "Um, Hey, 
remember last week? He says, I haven't forgotten. You know, and I looked at him and I said, okay. And I looked and I was, my stick at the time was a coho, mm-hmm. right? So I went to the bench and got my Canadian, which is a bigger, heavier stick. And I came back and said, I'll tell you what, Tiger, if you come at me, this stick's going to be there. You know, oh, drop it and fight me. I said, you think I'm stupid? <laughs> I mean, I was born at night, but not last night. You know, <laughs> And sure as heck, they dump it in our zone and he comes to run me and I bring my stick up and two minutes, you know, we both go in the box for two minutes. Next shift, they do it again, you know. And I think all year I had six minutes and penalties and I got four minutes in that one game against Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> but Tiger left me alone after that. And Bobby told me to say, bring your stick up. He said, you're not going to fight him. He'll kill you. I said, yeah, I know that, you know, good advice. Good advice from from a hockey hall of famer. I like that. I I wanted to ask you um, if we could go back and revisit that Canadians playoff series, that first playoff series, one more, one more time. You had a quote where, um, and and I'll read this back to you now. I remember when we got back to the room at the end of things, our coach, Donnie Blackburn said, get back out there. We came back out and we were getting a standing ovation. What did that mean to you? in the rest of the team after that first year in the national hockey league, that even though you guys got swept out of the playoffs by the Canadians, the fans stuck around and were able to give you an ovation after that. Oh, that, that meant the world to us right there, you know, cause we're all like, eh, okay. I mean, you know, it, it's not like, well, you know, I mean, Montreal should have beat us when you look on paper. And I think they won the Stanley cup that year for all I mm-hmm. remember. I said, but you know, to go out there and take them to overtime, you know, and then the fans, you know, and we went out there and they're out. It's like, wow, this is great. You know, it was like, you know, the, the roof was coming off again. They were screaming and yelling so loud and clapping and everything, you know, and it was just a, it was a great experience knowing that, you know, those fans, I mean, they, they could tell we gave it our all, you know, but Montreal was a better team at the time. Nothing wrong with it. You know, we didn't go out there and get blown out eight, nothing or anything like that, you know, and, you know, we took him into overtime, and you can't ask much more than that. You were roommates with Mark Howe, and you guys developed a pretty good relationship. It sounds like I, I spoke with Mark, and he spoke very highly of you. One of the things that really to this day is fascinating to me that there's no video of it, there's no film, there's no pictures, there's nothing of his horrible accident that took right. place at the Civic Center, I believe it was either December 79 or December 1980. I'm, I'm not sure which date it was um, in a game against the Islanders. Right. Can you share with me what it was like to be, I don't know if you were on the ice at the time, but the nature of the injury still, I, I think, is stunning. And, you know, after talking to Mark, you you have to you have to believe it, it, it was one of the more jarring injuries maybe in the recent history of the National Hockey League. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you notice to this day that the Mets have changed because of that. <laughs> you know, I always said, uh, you know, I, I don't remember. I, I, I don't think I was playing. I might have been injured at the time because I don't I didn't see it or whatever. But, uh, you know, I mean, he he was back checking and, you know, he went into the net and then that metal piece in the middle lifted up. I always I always call it the McDonald's M. <laughs> you know, it looked like an M, you know, on the bottom there, you know, and, and that thing just protruded right into him. And then I'll never forget uh, the next year in training camp, we're sitting there and we're doing stretches together, you know, and uh, doing stuff. And I looked and I said, hey, Mark, I said, I don't know how to ask this. <laughs> you know, I said, but could I see what happened? And I, oh, I mean, it just, it, I just went, oh my gosh, 
you know, and I could picture that in a hockey game of you just crashing in the net and having that metal piece just protrude right by your butt. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you get the EBGBs, I call it, you know? Yeah. And he said he was very lucky. He says, Doc says another half inch or whatever. He says he would have been paralyzed. When you look back on your time in Hartford, and I'm asking everyone this question, uh, what do you consider to be the legacy of that team, of that franchise? A lot of people say it was the relationships that you know developed over the course of years between the players and the fans. Some say it was the logo. Some say it was the song. Some say you know they give credit to their teammates. What for you is the legacy of of the Hartford Whalers? Oh boy, that's a that's a tough one. But I think off the top of my head, I mean, number one, I have to say the logo. I just I just thought it was the neatest logo. You know, and the song when you score, you know, that, 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 you know, and you just, you know, I just thought it was, it was a, it was a really neat place to play. I loved Hartford, you know, not a very big city, but not a small one. Kind of, kind of reminded me of Cincinnati, the size of it, you know, and I, I loved it in Cincinnati. You know, I, I mean, I, I couldn't play in New York, you know, that's just too big, too big of a place, but you know, it's like, boy, you know, and you go to certain places and people know and they see you and they're very friendly to you. You know, and I just thought the, uh, the the arena there was kind of kind of neat, you know, because people like, where's the arena? You know, it's right there, right where, <laughs> you know, it's inside a shopping mall, so to speak, you know. And I said, so that was quite unique. But uh, I just I, I still to this day, I always like the uh, I mean, I like it when I when I watch some of the Carolina games, you know, <laughs> they bring back the Hartford Whaler logo and the jerseys for those guys, you know. I just think it was one of the neatest logos ever. It's remarkable to think that it's been 25 years this spring since they played their last game in Hartford wow. and people still, the the team, the logo, the song still resonates with people after all this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying, I'm trying to get back this summer. There's a guy, guy I think, I hope I get his name, Ron Salvis. Mm -hmm. Do you know Ron? He's, um, it's for the Springfield Indians and they do this every year mm -hmm. in Springfield and a friend of mine, Joe Augustine, who coaches at Rhode Island. Now he goes back there, you know, and I guess last year, you know, um, Marty Howe showed up mm -hmm. and a lot more guys are showing up, you know, cause at one time or another, you know, we were all in Springfield playing in the minors there. And he says they do it every year. And, and I'm hoping to get back this summer. I think it's the first weekend of August. Cause I'd like things to get back. One of the things that you should go and check out, and, and I've been now once, and I plan to go back again this summer, is the Hartford Yard Goats, the minor league team, minor league baseball team in Hartford, has a Whalers, a Whalers weekend, really, in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, well, yeah, I, I saw that a couple of years ago, and, I, I was, and I'm looking, I see Jeff Brubaker, Jordy Douglas, and I'm like, and I'm trying to figure out how I got to get on their uh, their mailing list or whatever, you know. We'll make it happen. Yeah, oh, that, we'll, that we'll make it great. happen this year. Dave, thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. Let people know what you're doing these days. Oh, I'm just living the dream. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I've been I, I've been teaching hockey my whole life. I was coaching. I'm not coaching anymore. I just uh, and I own a little uh, skate sharpening business, which is great. You know, um, now that the rinks are back open and we we claim ourselves to be, you know, one of the best around. And I have another guy that works for me and and it's fun. It's fun. I, I teach some adults a couple days a week on Tuesday, Thursday mornings. And 
My daughter comes out sometimes. She goes, now I know why you do this, dad. You don't do it for the money. You do it because you have a blast. I go, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of adults now, you know, in their thirties or forties. I mean, they're just starting hockey, Mm -hmm. you know, and they don't know how to stop or don't know this. And, you know, so I get out there and show them and then they get it. And then the next week they forget it, you know, and we laugh, you know, but it's, it's fun. It's just so much fun. You know, I'm still involved with that. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm trying to, I'm looking to uh, more or less retire this year, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens when that comes around. Sounds good. Well, hopefully we can connect sometime this summer, whether it's in Springfield or at the Yard Goats uh, Whalers weekend. Dave, thanks again for, for taking the time to do this, sharing some stories and keeping the memory, doing your part to keep the memory of the Hartford Whalers alive. Well, thanks for having me.